have to smile myself because I love you. Yes, I do. Hello, welcome to the Grace Rancho Weekly Podcast, where we are here to help you, our church members, better understand the what and the why of everything we do as a church. And I'm here with Brian Zarate, who asked me to pick a song to use as an introduction, a song that we don't ordinarily use. And you wanted, uh, what was your one criteria for me for the song I would pick? Since our podcast today is going to be on the biblical family, I asked you to pick a song that has family meaning. Well, that's not how it started. That is original. That is what you said. But you originally sang, like, what, what song would you pick? And so I was like, ah, I, I go back. My favorite music that I grew up listening to was 60s and 70s. And that's just what, you know, Big John Durso, my dad, would have us listen to when I was a kid. So I grew up listening to the Beatles. I listened to James Taylor. Who I didn't I, know who that was. Brian didn't know who James Taylor was. And so I had to start singing some songs to him. <clears throat> and, and that led us to uh, picking this song, which is uh, one of my faves of James Taylor's, which, Your Smiling Face. Which has familial value or meaning. So, th- so it does have family, uh, family meaning in this sense. Uh, when my kids are supposed to wake up in the morning and they're not getting up, one of my favorite things to do is to blast a song in their room. <laughs> and my song of choice this last year was Your Smiling Face by James Taylor. Um, and for whatever reason, Brian thought the introduction to that song, just musically, was comical. Yeah, Not sure why? It's a little funny. I, you know why I thought it was funny? is because the intro to our podcast is either like a little slow beat or kind of just very basic, and that kind of just puts a twist into it. Is that funny to you, Brian? <laughs> I'm actually cracking up right now. <laughs> it's a great song. It's a fun great song. song. Anyways, right. like always, when you and I do the podcast, uh, we tend to go a little longer. And I've heard that pe- the people really like that. Really? The viewers, the listeners are always like, yeah, this needs to be a long podcast. Are you trying to oust Michael from his spot? No. No, I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> okay. But... Um, Seeing that we have... I mean, you're actually literally in his chair at his desk right now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Have you been sitting here and working here all week since Michael's been gone? No, it's too bright in here. Uh, I like it a little bit dimmer. So back, back by the cave, it's a lot, lot less light. But anyways... Ryan recoils every time I walk into the office and turn <laughs> his light on. No! <laughs> Sounds like Gollum. Yeah. Anyways, we we're talking today about the biblical family, kind of reviewing the biblical family series that we've had on Sunday evenings. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, so we chose, um, we actually had a four-week slot or, or section after we finished James that we thought, what are we going to use this four-week par- uh, uh, section for? Because we, we like taking summer off for Sunday evenings and not having a regular series we're going through. Um, but we wanted to use these four weeks for something meaningful, not just kind of a throwaway time together. Not that any of our time together is throwaway. Yeah. But 
I came with the idea of just a short series on the family. And so I'm thankful for Justin and Mark to contribute. And I wasn't there for Justin's, but looked at his notes and just very, very good foundational stuff for the biblical family. And then was able to be there for Mark's, just an exhortation to, to the men in the room. And then I was able to do the, uh, the last two about wives and mothers, so women, and then to address the children last Sunday night. And I, I hope it was good. I really enjoyed it. And thankful for the opportunity to kind of be um, pumping this stuff into our congregation. Yeah, one of the thoughts that I had that you have here in our notes is not comprehensive, right? Yeah. It, it wasn't like a, if you missed it or if you were there, you learned everything that you needed to learn about parenting or about wives and husbands, right. children. So why don't you comment on that? Yeah, <clears throat> kind of, I was thinking about this because of our conversation a couple of days ago. Um, how we think about these types of topical issues that are very important that we need to address. Um, so there's, there's one way that you could address these types of things, like the family or gender issues, which are huge in our culture. And um, one way would be to kind of just blast it on a, do a campaign or a sermon series, um, a sermon on, on the morning uh, to the whole congregation, um, or to... Um, kind of, yeah, one-off kind of things, big kind of attack, all, attack it all at one big, in one fell swoop. Um, or you can kind of, just kind of drip it in little by little all the time. I think of like, the analogy that just comes to my mind is you can use a sprinkler system that either comes on once a week, sprays everything with a ton of water, and then goes away for another week. That's one way. Or, you can kind of get the irrigation drip system where it is just constant. It's not as much water as the sprinkler system does all at once, but it's a more constant dripping of these truths. And um, I just think when you were thinking about developing a culture of discipleship and growth and learning, the drip method is almost always better. It's, uh, it's more of a constant feeding uh, where these ideas are just being absorbed into the life of the body. So that's what we try to do. Um, the series um, is part of the dripping. Mm -hmm. the, it comes up, I taught the membership class week four last Sunday, and we talked about gender and God's design and complementarianism. Um, it'll come up actually this week in course seminar. I'm going to be teaching on marriage, and next week Mark will be teaching on parenting. Um, it comes up in growth groups from time to time. Uh, last year I taught on, I did one uh, to our young marrieds, taught, taught through marriage. There was Mark, a marriage. Mark did one on parenting. Um, Steve. Did Steve one. did one on marriage as well. And so we're kind of just trying to always be having these conversations. That's part of the the journal as well is creating dialogue, creating content, resources, materials that just make it so we're regularly asking ourselves, what is the Bible teaching us about our marriages, about our families, about our children, um, rather than let's think about it for one month or one sermon, um, 
and get all we can in that one period of time. I'd rather sit in it over the long period of time and absorb little by little by little and be shaped by it that way. Yeah, and part of also, uh, like on Sunday evenings or just in general, when people have questions, um, you give away good books. Yeah. So another way that we're trying to push it into the life and minds of our congregation, spreading the good books and getting authors names familiar with our people. So you learn about MacArthur as a trustworthy name. You learn about Vody Bacham as a trustworthy name or Ted Tripp or Paul Tripp or so all the the books we're doing we're trying to kill two birds with one stone. One is to actually give you the good material, but also to familiarize our people with who they can trust. There's so much bad stuff out there, just junky, unbiblical stuff that has a Christian label on it and uses Christianese. And we want to give people meat and substance. And uh, so got to introduce them to the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All that's trying to get this stuff into our people's minds. Yeah, I know this last Sunday evening, uh, a lot of people were <laughs> really wanting the books you were giving away. <laughs> I know, I felt bad. I was uh, yeah, hurting people's hearts by choosing not them. Which is good, because I feel like sometimes people it's good. don't care. It's good. it's good to hurt people's hearts? No, no, no. At first, when we Come started on, giving away Brian. books, it wasn't that big of a hit, you know? It's true. And now it's like people really want them. Well, I think this topic especially, yeah, that's people true. really wanted these books. We, I think we picked some good ones. Um, yeah, so actually Frank Aguirre texted me afterwards because he ended up getting one of them. He's like, hey, um, if any other of the people who wanted this book and didn't get it uh, would read it, I'd happily give it to them. <laughs> and now that I'm saying that, Frank, I don't even think I responded to your text message. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> Unreliable. I know. Pastor Eric. All right. So based off of that, what we were just talking about and the Sunday evening uh, biblical series in the family. What do you hope our men walk away with, men in particular? And we'll address the rest of the categories of family or, yeah. So, yeah, so groups. men in particular. Um, I want our men to be thankful to God uh, for creating them the way they did. Um, in other words, our society hates masculinity. It does. It just... It's anti-masculinity. Um, it's also anti-femininity. You know, biblical masculinity and biblical femininity mm -hmm. are both hated by the world, and they are under attack in very significant ways. And so I think men should be thankful that God made them men. And I think women should be thankful that God made them women. And men should, should be uh, glad about their masculinity, should not be ashamed of their masculinity, and should aim to cultivate biblical masculinity. And so I hope our men will um, embrace the way God has made them and embrace the design, but also the role. So I hope as a result of this little series, we start talking and thinking about how our men could be leaders, uh, shepherds, um, that they would be leading the way in loving their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That they would be leading the way in discipling their children. Uh, Mark used the word uh, courageous leadership, uh, sacrificial love, and I think intentional discipleship. 
Um, I think there are probably men, maybe some men listening to this podcast right now, who have never really intentionally been leading their families. They're kind of holding on and, or they're in survival mode. And I just hope that this would encourage them to sit down with their wives and consider how can I lead better? And I think that would, I think a win would be that our men begin, our men begin kind of casting a biblical vision for their family. This is who we want to be. This is what we're going to prioritize. This is how we're going to do it. Um, they begin pursuing their wives the way a, a husband should. They begin um, intentionally discipling their kids, um, reading scripture with their family, leading in family worship, and being proactive. Sometimes it's awkward at first. It's a little weird. Um, I think men need to embrace that and go for it. So I hope there's a culture where the expectation in Grace Rancho is that men lead their families. They are leading their families with Christ-like, gentle, tender-hearted uh, um, love that is uh, a reflection of the Father's love toward us. Yeah. I like the way you put that last sentence where you said, lead their wives or families in a gentle, what, kind-hearted? Tender-hearted. Tender-hearted manner. I think the tendency is to say, like, yeah, I need to pick it up. I need to get things in order. I need to lead. I need to lead, and then... Uh, they start just, barking orders at people. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's the easiest thing to do, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I mean, that's a Genesis 3 thing, the, the fall. It's like both man and woman are tempted to abdicate their roles in various ways. So the man who's called the lead either becomes a tyrant yep. in his attempt to lead, or he becomes passive. Mm -hmm. And so striking the biblical middle is is the challenge because sin causes us to fall off the horse on either side. And then women who are called to submit to their own husbands either reject that and they become usurpers of their husband's authority or they become nagging critics of their husband's authority yeah. or they become servile and drop their brains off at the door and just kind of do whatever their husband says without being a true helper that God created them to be. And, um, all of those are, are in error. And so we need to always be reforming our marriages. Yeah. So you, we moved on a little bit to uh, wives. Why don't you talk about what you hope women walk away with from this series? Yeah, I think there's a subtle feminism that even creeps into the most conservative of churches because of the world we live in um, that just kind of gripes it's not overt. It's more of like just kind of a griping against the, the roles that God has given. And I would love for our women to be growing in a glad and joyful embrace of the role and responsibility of, of helper, a glad embrace of God's design of them, that God made them that way, and it's beautiful, and it's powerful, and it's necessary, and it's glorious. And that they would um, uh, just re rejoice in that. And then they would live it out with their respective relationships. Uh, if they're married with their husbands, uh, if they have children with their husbands and their children, 
Uh, if they're not, if they're a single uh, in the church, that they would embrace their role and be uh, contributing in all the ways God's gifted them to help and build up the body of Christ. I also hope that um, we would see the value of at-home work. In Titus 2, um, women or wives especially are, are instructed to be working at home, which when I explain this, I hope I made it clear, but it doesn't mean that they don't have any jobs outside of the home. I don't think Riley's in sin for being a nurse. <laughs> I don't think the women who have... <laughs> you can defend Riley for a second. <laughs> Proceed. Yeah. I don't think... I think it's great. I think it's great when we have women um, who teach or any kind of various roles. Yep. The, the question for all those women is simply this. Can you prioritize the biblical um, priorities? Can you prioritize your husband and your household? And if the job pulls you away from being able to prioritize that, then I think you should think, consider restructuring, um, restructuring that. Because the biblical priority is, if not working at home, most certainly it is working for the home. Um, Proverbs 31. Again, it's even, you know, conservative evangelical women sometimes just kind of make fun of the Proverbs 31 woman as a caricature of a kind of Stepford wife kind of thing. But when you read it, she is a remarkable woman. She's productive. She's industrious. She works with her hands. She sells things. She makes a profit. She takes care of her children. Her husband praises her. She respects her husband. Um, she is godly. She fears the Lord. Um, that is an incredible woman. And I think we should see the toughness and the you know, calloused hands of that kind of woman and what she does really matters. But there really is an emphasis in that Proverbs that almost everything she does is traced back to her home. Yeah. She, she, she sells a field, but she brings it back. She brings back the, the earnings to her home. Right. To, to, to use them accordingly for her home. Yeah. She... she makes buys materials but it's to make Clothing. clothes for her children yeah so the, re the emphasis is really there it's really yeah. clear yeah and it's reiterated in yeah in the titus 2 passage and so yes i mean in just practically like if we i don't you know hopefully no one takes us the wrong way but suppose you just took the bible aside and we're just thinking in purely pragmatic terms yeah. it makes a lot of sense to divide responsibilities and to consider how productive a, a, a family can be when, um, when uh, responsibilities are divided up, when roles are embraced, when responsibilities are given and they're clear, and then when both parties gladly and joyfully embrace the roles given, it, it's productive, it's powerful. So, and then you look at the biblical text, you say, that's what God has done. And he's designed us for the roles. And so when we actually go after them, uh, I think we're living in the grain, along with the grain of our very nature, the way God made us as men and women. So I guess so for women to gladly embrace their design, their role, that they would love the home, work for the home, um, promote a, a godly home environment, that they would be helpers to their husbands, 
uh, that they would help their husbands honor the Lord and follow the Lord and serve the church and be productive in ministry and bear much fruit. Um, and uh, I just, I mean, just speaking from personal experience, my ministry wouldn't be half as effective as it is if it weren't for Ashley mm -hmm. and the work that she does with our household, with our children, um, the way that she is um, supportive of me and my work, the way that she is managing the household well so that we can have people over. Um, she'll make meals. She'll provide for other families. She's taking care of our household in ways that I don't have to take up brain space thinking about what shirt to buy Jack. Um, if I had to think about those things, Jack would not be wearing, uh, let's, let's say, um, Jack would be wearing shirts that were ripped, dirty, hadn't gone through the laundry, wrinkled, and um, I don't know. They wouldn't, it, it would, <laughs> if I were in charge, I don't even, I'm not even in charge of choosing what I wear on Sunday mornings, what I wear on Sunday mornings. Wow. You know, Ashley helps me out there. That's great. It's just another little piece of my brain that can be freed up for other things. And she gladly serves me in that way. Um, so I'm not saying you have to do it exactly like Ashley. Like you don't have to pick out your husband's clothes every day. She doesn't do it every day. Mm. You know, just special days. Special days. Right. The Lord's Day is a very special day. Yeah. Um, I'm, when you're speaking about this, I'm just reminded uh, and think about the will of the Lord and His plan for us. And oftentimes I feel like Christians, uh, all kinds of Christians can feel stuck in moments and feel like they have no direction or mm -hmm. they really just want to know the will of the Lord. But this is the will of the Lord. Yeah. This is God's plan. Especially as I think of our next, um, um, what is it, the next uh person of the family, children. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes it can be when you're growing up or when you're getting into adolescence and you say, well, what's God's will for my life? Yeah. You know? And that can, that can get confused with, does he want me to go and do this in college? Or does he want me to get this job? Or start, yeah, the very start, specific start playing in this sport, which are important and that, that does require a lot of prayer and does require a lot of wisdom. But as far as um, the will of the Lord, God's plan, it's clear. What, is, yeah. what does God expect of children? Yeah, I mean, it's clear there in Ephesians 6. Uh, obey your parents. Yeah. And Colossians 3. Obey your parents in everything. Um, and honor your father and mother. Uh, for this pleases the Lord. This is the first commandment with a promise. So when I talked about this last Sunday night, I tried to make a big deal about authority. That God's design is that the family is the incubator for the child. As he grows up in God's world, the family structure is the place where he grows to understand the nature of authority so that he can understand the nature of God's authority. So he's not born into a world, if, or let's put it this way, if he's born into a family where parents do not exercise authority and require submission to authority, he is being raised in a world that is telling him lies about the world. Or raised in a family, I, yeah. I mean, raised that's telling him lies about the world. That's not the way the world actually is. The world is actually a place where authority exists, where submission is required. There is a king. He is, going, he is ruling and he will establish his rule on earth. And every knee should bow. And so if you don't teach a kid to bow, you don't teach a kid to submit, 
if you don't teach kids that there is a true and right authority, that you don't get to tell that authority what to do. You have to obey it. You don't get to ask questions. If they don't learn those truths, they will have a wrong concept of the authority of God. And they will, and not only of God, they also just, as a matter of fact, won't be able to function in, a, in the world because authority exists. Yep. Government is an authority instituted by God. So you'll have a boss someday. You'll have a job to do. You'll have responsibilities. The family is where kids grow up and learn to defer their own desires because they're submitting to an authority greater than them. If they don't learn that, they are falling into the same lie of the, the, that the serpent told Adam and Eve. They're neglecting a blessing that God would have for them. They're deceiving themselves. Um, and so this is important for parents, I think. Parents need to require authority, or sorry, require obedience. They need to exercise authority and require obedience. And if they don't do that, they're lying to their kids. Or their, their kids are being sold a lie. They're being shown a lie. Um, and so I, I guess what I hope parent, what kids walk away with, um, there's probably no kids listening to this podcast, but I'm sure some, maybe if they are, I would tell them the best thing for you to do in your childhood, you're 16, you're still, you know, at home, even though you're, you're starting to grow up, you're starting to think like a man or think like a woman and make your own decisions you're still a child, you're still under your parents' authority, and submit to God's authority by submitting to your parents' authority. And believe, by faith, that that is the way to blessing. Yeah. Uh, God makes that clear. That is the first commandment with a promise. It's a blessing for those who do that. Do you want to uh, give a couple of comments on why you, on Sunday evening and right now in this podcast, for the most part, you're, a, you're speaking to children? Yeah. Uh, it could be like a parenting type of thing where you're constantly telling parents, like, you need to do these things. You have a responsibility. You will be accountable. And I know that's an element of uh, raising children. Yeah. But why is it important um, to speak directly to children? I know the Bible does. So does that right. influence why we do it? Or yeah. I know it's a both and. So I'm wondering if you can uh, comment on people who are, are thinking um, this is fully the responsibility of the parents. If the parents mess up, the children are not, the, mm. are not set up in a favorable position. Or it's all about the children. It doesn't matter what the parents do. The children need to obey. You need to be faithful to the, to the word of yeah. God. Or that it's only the children's ministry that speaks to the children. You know, sure. Or the youth, the youth ministry. Yeah. So... I mean, I guess children are eternal souls. That child will last forever in eternity. That child is a gift from God. Um, like C.S. Lewis says, I think in his book or in his um, sermon or speech or whatever it is, the, the weight of glory that every person we've ever met, when we see them in eternity, will either have become... A uh, creature so glorious will be tempted to worship, or a creature so hideous will be horrified of. Um, every kid given to us is heading somewhere, is going on a, in, an eternal trajectory. And the wonder of wonders, God has given us mortal being, you know, parents, these responsibilities to 
shape them. Like that is an incredible thought that I, a person, a creature myself, have been given the stewardship of a soul that will last forever, that will become something either eternally glorious in Christ or eternally hideous in hell. Yeah. And um, I have a mate, ultimately it's in the hand of God. Uh, he saves, I can't save, but that's not to neglect the responsibility I have with these children. So because they're real people, they're human beings, they're, they're souls, they're eternal. Um, because we have a stewardship with them, a responsibility to them. Uh, as you said, because the Bible talks to children. The Bible is God's word for children. God forbid we don't teach it to them. Um, who are we to hold back what God has said from our children? Read the Bible to your kids, right? Teach your kids what the Bible says about everything as, as much as you can. Um, the other thing I was going to say is related to that is these kids can learn. Mm -hmm. These kids are learning geog geography and geometry and trigonometry. They're, uh, some of these kids who learn video games, learn the most intricate you know, ways of doing things. They can, uh, when my kids were little, they, my girls especially, <laughs> memorized all the names of every princess and every Disney movie and every character in every Disney movie. And I had this like realization, actually the realization to me came when I would read these books to them, to Emma. This happened with Emma a few times. And she would have these books that she really liked. And then she started reciting them from memory, like entire books. And I started going, why am I not making her read the scriptures or like reading the scriptures to her and having her memorize? And so we started doing some catechisms and questions and reading. And they're, they're, their souls, God has given them brains. They're more competent than we give them credit for. Yep. Teach your kids theology. Expect them. Um, low expectations creates low standards, which creates low effort to attain standards. I want to give our kids high standards because I want to give my kids God's standards. So I guess I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but to answer your question, it is so important to teach our kids. And I want to do it personally as a pastor to teach all the kids in our church. I, and I want to equip our parents to be teaching kids. I would tell, I would say this, this is how important it is. If you're thinking about next, next year, you're thinking about getting in a growth group with your, your wife and your family. But if getting in a growth group would prevent you from really having a regular time to disciple your children, I'd say skip the growth group, disciple your kids. Hmm. Um, stay home and make your time around the dinner table a time in the word. Um, learn how to do that. Talk to other people who did it. Parenting Journal has, a, has an article on that by Mark Severance. Yeah, yeah. Mark did that. And then a bunch of, um, at the end, a bunch of different men shared different ways they've tried discipling their kids um, in their homes. Yeah. So. It's really practical stuff in the journal that is going to be very useful, I think, for um, many families. And I, we, uh, my wife and I, Riley, will be a family of three in November. Yay! Can Along. we insert clapping and shouts of <laughs> we'll happiness? We'll see, we'll see. Um, we found out the gender yesterday. 
I'm not going to say it on the, we're not going to say it on, on the live oh. podcast. Come talk to me if you want to know the gender of our child. I know it too, but I won't say it either. Eric knows it. Yeah. We're going to keep people in suspense, but there's a lot of uh, families um, with coming with their first child. And I think it's such a providential th- thing that we are all here and learning and learning things that we would have never learned outside of the church, outside of the context of the local church. So why don't you, uh, we've talked about men, women, children. Why don't you give pause, us a couple of thoughts? I'm going to cut you off. Pause. Um, pause. You were saying to me how you and Riley have been using the journal. Yeah. And you were reading some big old parenting book and you put that on pause Yeah. to read the journal. Tell me how that's going. It's going good because as good as the books that we were reading or want to continue to read after we finish the journal, um, there is something special about it being people who you know to begin with. Yeah. I'd say number one, it's different when you can read something and then you see it in person. Mm-hmm. You read it and then you see the way that these people are living faithfully, not perfect, but faithfully. Yeah. And they're actually implementing these things. And you can see it in the way that their kids speak, the way that their kids behave, the way that their kids um, listen for the most part. Um, It's the Lord giving them, rewarding them for being faithful in the way that they're parenting. And then also just the practical, practical nature of most of the articles. It's, it's has theology in it, has scripture references in it, but it's just really practical. Here's how you can live out uh, your marriage or your parenting in this very simple way, catechizing yeah. with Justin Grasmick, disciplining the one that you wrote. We just read that yesterday. It just mm. makes us think about a lot of uh, the way that our world has shaped our minds as far as discipline is concerned mm-hmm. and how, how really how different it is from the biblical model. Yeah. And then that just sparks all kinds of conversation on like almost every paragraph we can stop and talk. Yeah, that's and, good. And it's not just like a reading assignment. We're reading this book. We got to get through it. it. It really is a good format to slow down, knowing that it's just a small journal. We'll get through it, and it's filled with people that we know. And we can always talk to them and say, "Hey, you said this. How, how does that look like?" A little bit more in detail, right? Because we're, we're we're wondering, we're thinking, we're planning. We're a little bit. Um, obviously, we have no experience when it comes to parenting, so. It, that's been really helpful and just a sweet time together um, that we've been able to open up that journal. I really encourage the every family. I just say the younger, the younger couples who are uh, married, or who, who are expecting children, or who want to have children in the future, uh, is such a valuable resource that I think we're going to return to regularly. Good. I don't yeah. think it's something that we we're going to read once and then say that was good and then let it collect us on the shelf for the next 10 years um yeah so hopefully there's a revision in the future you know second edition the second parenting. edition parenting book parenting yeah where we fix some of the typos that we found <laughs> fix some of the typos and uh, get some new people in there to write some articles yeah but anyways what, what is your hope for families all families all kinds of families yeah so i'll just conclude with jonathan edwards quote which i I see as a great summation of the Christian vision for the family. He writes, Every Christian family ought to be, as it were, a little church, consecrated to Christ, and wholly influenced and governed by his rules. 
and family education and order are some of the chief means of grace. If these fail, all other means are likely to prove ineffectual. If these are duly maintained, all the means of grace will likely to prosper and be successful. In other words, Jonathan Edwards is saying, if the family itself is not taking responsibility to worship God and honor the Lord and seek him together and set themselves under Christ's rule and authority, if the family's not doing that, the ministry of the church becomes almost ineffectual because God has so arranged the family to be kind of the, the greenhouse of growing up baby Christians and um, parents to be raising up their children. Now, we need the church, don't get me wrong. Uh, they need to both be there. But when the fam- if the families are not active in that way, it really cuts off uh, the, the hands of the church to do that work. Um, and will, I think the church will die, uh, at least in one generation, if parents don't raise their kids in the Lord. So let's, uh, let's love the biblical family, love the biblical roles, seek um, to conform ourselves to his standards. Let's always be reforming to scripture. And let's try to make all of our families, as Edward says, like little churches. Yeah. Yeah, and just in conclusion, that makes me want to ask you a question to give us some perspective on if the family is meant to reflect the realities of the church, of the gospel, what is some hope that you can give to parents who are young or parents who have never done this and knowing that this is how the pattern of life ought to be every day for the rest of their lives? Yeah, um, You've done it for a while and is it something that gets easier? Is it something that will always require um, discipline? Is it something that, um, yeah, just offers offer some hope and some perspective on uh, what it looks like 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later? Yeah, so we're year 14 of marriage, and uh, Emma, our oldest, is coming up on 12 years. Um, so I've been doing it that long. It, it still in some ways feels new. And that's the way parenting is. It always feels new because there's always new phases that you're in. Yeah. Um, but I would say this, that there's nothing that has been so humbling as parenting. Um, there are low lows. There's discouraging times. There's times of feel like you've failed. Um, but I think that's part of the design. I think I would just, if I'm going to give hope, I would say, let uh, God really work on you in parenting. In that, let it, don't, don't run from the sins it exposes in you. Don't bolster your self-righteousness and, and live in denial. Don't blame your kids for your own failures. Don't say it's because they're, they don't sleep enough at night and, and oh, they should, they should sleep more so I could get more rest. If they just were a little more obedient, then I would this or that. Um, don't say the woman you gave me. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> That's the, the mother of all those sins. So just recognize that it's going to expose impatience. It's going to expose selfishness. It's going to expose all these idols that you didn't really realize you had. But that's so good for us. And in humility, call out to God and remember that grace is yours and that he's never abandoned you and that he's a good father and um, trust him. Um, Think of the ways he's been patient to you. 
and let his own relationship of love and grace and tenderness toward you be the shape of the way you care for your kids. Um, so I, I don't think I understood how hard marriage and parenting could be when I was, before I was married and with kids. Mm. Um, I have a better understanding of it now. And I'm also a little bit more thankful for the way it's been, just because there are things that the Lord had to teach me that I don't know if I could have learned any other way. So whatever challenges that God puts in your path, humble yourself and say thank you to the Lord because he knew you needed it. And so he gave you that sleepless child or he gave you that boy that just doesn't want to obey and submit right away. He gave you that girl that's uh, asking you hard questions or defying your leadership. Like he gave those things to you. Why? That he might humble you teach you, grow you. Um, And then ultimately at the end of the day, the biggest act of faith is to say, Lord, I I can't save my kids and I'm just going to have to trust you. Um, You know, every child God has given me, all my children I love immensely. I can't save them. Like if there's one thing I would want to do is to save my kids, I can't do that. Um, And I, I don't know God's plan for them. Um, I, I do know right now already each one of my five children has experienced more grace than they, never, they ever deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, God has been so kind to them. And I just pray that that kindness he's shown them, um, that they will respond to, repent, and believe in him. But at the end of the day, I'm just going to trust the Lord and know that whatever the Lord does is good and right for his glory and for my good and for my family's good, ultimately. So, yeah, there it's, you go. it is a blessing to be here in this local church with um, so many people that do prioritize the biblical family. Um, so many people are uh, so encouraging in that, in that area, a lot to look up to, a lot to learn, a lot of resources that God has placed here in people mm-hmm. for, for his kingdom and, and the biblical family. Just a little bit earlier, somebody walked in and, and one of the observations was there's so many families here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they could have mentioned a number of things. Yeah. Uh, it looks good outside. It looks good that you guys are renovating or it looks good that you guys are keeping a place up. But the thing that was mentioned was families. You guys yeah. have a lot of families. Which I think is a blessing, right? Yeah. If every child is a blessing from God, then you can, you know, actually literally count the blessings running around and running into <laughs> us every Sunday. Yeah. And there's many of them. So yeah. praise God for all those blessings. Praise the Lord. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Grace Rancho Weekly Podcast. You succeeded in making this a longer-than-usual podcast. Yeah. Or maybe I succeeded in making it longer than usual. <laughs> the, yeah, the way it works is I ask the questions and I just let you talk. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say that Michael doesn't let you talk. But uh, that's debatable. <laughs> we'll leave you guys. We'll see you Sunday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.